Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 298 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as ever, by the former heavyweight world title challenger himself, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, welcome to the show. How are you, my man? I'm good, my man. How you feeling? Always good when speaking with you. Same as ever. We're going to dive straight into the review part of the show here. We're going to start with a card that took place last Friday in the UK at the Bolton Whites Hotel um, in Lancashire. Over here, boy, oh boy. I'm um, going to start with the undercard. A few upsets, it has to be said. A big upset on the undercard, Tyrone McCullough, 14-1, and one, was upset. He was TKO'd in three rounds by journeyman Brett Fido, who picked up win number 15. He was expected to pick up his 66th loss. He's got five draws. McCullough down prior to the stoppage now, 14-2. and two. Good win for Gary Cully, who we spoke about on last week's show, the 6-foot free um, lightweight southpaw he is now 13 and 0 he was able to get Virial Simeon out of there in three rounds Simeon retired on his store at the end of round three Simeon now 22 and 6 and like I say Gary Cully 13 and 0 very very big step up I felt for Gary Cully and I expected it to go to distance because by far that was the best opponent on his record that guy very very experienced Simeon been in there like I say with Dennis Berenchik he's been in there with um, Samuel Molina He's been in there with Shakur Stevenson, with Scott Quigg, with Lee Selby, and all of those three guys I mentioned there, obviously at the very top of the sport. Uh, Scott Quigg went the distance with him. Lee Selby went the distance with him. Shakur Stevenson got him out in one round, which was very impressive. And here Gary Cully does it in in uh, you know in, in, after three rounds when he didn't want to come out for round four. Virial Simeon. Elsewhere on the card, Paul Butler, he was able to drop his opponent. Uh, it was a late replacement. Willie Baldo, um, Garcia Perez, now 12-5 and five with a draw. He was dropped in the first round, the, the replacement Perez. Um, he got back up, though, and I didn't see the fight, but it ended in a split decision after 10 rounds. I cannot believe that. Um, Paul Butler... You know, I'm not sure what's going on with him. Like I say, it's been about seven or eight fights in a row now since he boxed at the top level. He is wasting the the tail end of his career having these low-level fights. I'm not sure why. Um, I understand when they do things like this with prospects. Well, I don't always, but there's a guy, like I've said many times, Thomas Patrick Ward, managed to equal the amount of wins as Tyson Fury now. He's got the longest unbeaten streak tied with Tyson Fury in Britain out of all of our active fighters. But Fury, being a world champion twice, um, you know, boxed the best fighters in the world. And Thomas Patrick Ward hasn't. And he's got there by beating guys nowhere near that level. Well, I can understand because, you know, you see a guy as talented as, as Thomas Patrick Ward and you think to yourself... Okay, for some reason, they don't want to risk it all or whatever it is. He's building up this record. When is he going to step up? He's clearly good enough to be at that level. That's what you keep thinking when you see him fight. But Paul Butler, he's been at that level. He's been a two... I think he's been a two-weight world champion. Certainly been a champion at least once. And I don't understand what the hold-up is for him jumping back in at that kind of level. He told me he wants to be back at that level. This is a bad look for him. A split decision after 10, like I say. It was for a minor title, the vacant WBO International Bantamweight title, but I just don't understand what's going on. For it to end in a split decision, 
especially when the guy's coming in at late notice, especially when the guy's been on the deck in the first round. That does not look good. I didn't see the fight, so maybe the scorecards were awful. I'm not sure. Good win for Jose Burton on the card, 26-2. and two. A knockout win in round six against Liam Conroy now, 18-7 and seven with a draw. Better than his record suggests, Liam Conroy. Um, KO'd as well with a left hand. Jose Burton was expected to probably win that one on points. I thought it was going to be a close a close fight, to be honest. But, um, really, really impressive, like I say, for him. And a nice way to bounce back after his loss to Bolotniks, in which he looked awful. He really did that night there. And another big upset, the main event, Jay Harris, 18-2 and two now. He was KO'd in round eight against Ricardo Sandoval, who's now 18, uh, sorry, 19-1. and one. Harris down twice in the eighth round, both from left hooks to the body. Um, I was really shocked by this. It has to be said, I didn't know much about his opponent here, Sandoval, until pretty much a week or so before the fight. I'd never heard of him. Um, you know, I, I did say that he had a majority decision loss, I think it was, early on in his career, over about four rounds. So you can't look too much into that. I said he could still be claiming he's undefeated. He might be right, really, just not on paper. And Jay Harris, to go the distance with a puncher in his division, like, uh, like, like, uh, Julio Cesar Martinez. I didn't think anyone would be able to take him out. He took some brilliant shots that night and he kept walking forward and he gave it his all. But here to get knocked out in eight, oh boy, a shocker, a real shocker. Um, I'd like to see his opponent, like I say, Ricardo Sandoval, out again. Um, moving out now to Mexico, speaking of the devil, Julio Cesar Martinez now 18-1, and one, a TKO for him in round six against Joel Cordova, who's now 12-5 and five with two draws, a defense there of Martinez's WBC flyweight world title. I didn't actually see the fight, I only saw the finish, but from what I heard... I think it was supposed to have been quite close up until the finish. Um, I don't know if anyone wants to get back to me on that because, I mean, I don't think it should have been a close fight judging by the records, judging by the beast that Martinez has looked. But again, he does get the stoppage, even if it came a little bit later than most people thought. Moving out now to the State Farm Arena in Atlanta, Georgia, USA. Like I said last week, it was going to be the card of the week, and it certainly was. A win on the undercard for Carlos Adamez, now 20-1. and A TKO in the third round against Alexis Salazar, now 23-4. and A brilliant finish from Adamez, who, um, yeah, hasn't really had a smooth run of late. I think it was his last fight he lost, or one or two before that. Um, he was a really bright prospect at one point, and he kind of came off track a little bit. Hopefully, he can get back, um, you know, on that on that track he was on. A great knockout, though. Yeah, he dropped the guy three times with that with that one shot. He, he you know, the guy tried to get up twice after being dropped, and he fell each time. The referee was right to stop that one there. Um, elsewhere on the card, a bit of an upset to some degree. Ledwan Barthelemy lost a split decision after 10 rounds against Viktor Slavinsky, who's now 13-0 with a draw. Um, Barthelemy now 16-2 with a draw. Batir Akhmadov with a good win. That was his 10th fight. He's now 9-1. He was able to get out of there. Algenis Mendez, former world champion, now 25-7 with three draws. Um, Mendez gave up in the corner after eight rounds. He didn't come out for round nine of a scheduled 12. I really like Akhmadov. I remember seeing him fight Mario Barrios. He wore the older experienced former champion down here, and he did well, like I say, to get that stoppage, which a lot of people try to get over that wily veteran Mendez, but they don't often achieve it. Elsewhere on the card, Erickson Lubin now 24-1. and one. Really pleased for him. A guy that's been spoken about for a long, long time. Obviously suffered that bad knockout to Charlo a few years back. Um, since then, he's had a couple of good building fights. You know, a good win against Terrell Gaucher. That was the kind of marking fight, I guess, that made us go, hey, this guy still has a lot of potential despite suffering a knockout loss in that fashion. But he was back here against Rosario, a proven former world champion. And he had him down twice in that sixth round where the KO came. Uh, that, one, that one was for the WBC Silver Super Welterweight title. So he gets back in line, Eddie. Lubin now, like I say, 20. 24 and 1. Jason Rosario. Was he 
just a flash in the pan? Was he was he just a guy that landed a couple of lucky punches? I'm not so sure. 20 wins, three losses, and a draw to former world champion. But it's all about Lubin. I know you watched it. I know you're high on this guy. Tell me, tell me more. Um, as far as Rosario, I got to mention he's one of those guys that you know, certain if, if if you don't have enough, you know, in the way of toughness, and I don't want to say it, that's a, that's not fair to say. I feel like if you just if you can't deal with the shot he brings, that's the way he's gonna beat you. Now I'm not now granted maybe maybe he can pressure you because it seemed like he was trying to pressure Lubin as well and get him out. Uh, but I feel like he he's not the kind of guy you would see hold that title for very long. You know what I mean? He's a guy that'll it'll upset you or surprise you, especially if you're not well prepared. It's like with like he did with Julian, but. I just don't think he can really hold it for very long. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't have the ability or the style. However, he's the puncher and he's tough and he'll come to fight. And he'll he'll try to stay on his feet the best he can. But at the end of the day, I just don't think he he's that kind of fighter at this point in his career. But as far as Lubin, I think the sky's the limit for him. But as you can see in that fight, he got caught again. And then most people question, oh, well, does he have a good chin? or Does he have this and that? Well, then... If you don't, if you know you don't have the greatest chin, and you know you don't have, you know that great ability to take a shot, or you're not, I guess, not as tough as you need to be. Well, you got to find a way to protect it. I do think he has the ability protect to protect it, and he's an extremely professional kind of fighter. Like he, I don't, I don't know how to say it any other way. He's real pro. Like he, he's careful. He's calculated. You know, his his punches are precise. It, it is. He doesn't over-utilize any particular punch necessarily like over and over and become very predictable. Even though he's, like I said, really meticulous, he still, you know, doesn't really doesn't really become really that over-predictable. I mean, sometimes it can happen, but I just doubt it with him. And he's um, and he's good in so many different ways as far as on from the outside. He'd be able to control. And, and the only thing that I saw when, uh, when Rosario got close, he was he was able to land a couple. He landed a couple shots, you know, coming around the guard a little bit and kind of buzzed him. And it was just like, damn, he may not be good at close range. I think – I don't know how it was he got caught with Charlo, but I can't really remember. I, I, yeah, I can't remember right off the top of my head. But if it was at close range, it just kind of shows that, you know, potential weakness for, de- for defending shots at close range. So that's something they obviously got to work on. But as far as his ability to box and his skill – his professionalism and just overall all overall focus on the job at hand he's good man he has a lot of there's a lot of good about him I, I i really like to watch him you know what i mean i really like to watch him i know he to some he might not be seem that exciting but there's just little things that you see with he with him and the things that he does that makes you just want to see more and and i look at him and i see that and moving on to the main event, um, Mario Barrios now 26-1. and one. He was dethroned of his WBA World Super Lightweight title against the man moving up uh, not one but two weight classes, really. Javonte Davis now 25-0. and 0. Um, Barrios down twice in round eight and once in round 11. Um, a fantastic fight. It really, really was. A lot of people had Barrios sweeping the first four rounds. I'm going to tell you guys how I had it. Round one, a round for Barrios. Just a feel-out round. Nothing really in it for me. Wasn't clear to see who had who had uh, won that round. Round two, Barrios was keeping that right hand up, just under his chin, ready to defend that signature Tank Davis left uppercut. You could see that. Um, it's something they've been working on. It's something I'm sure Virgil Hunter had been telling him uh, many times in the build-up. I was really pleased to see Barrios not showing too much respect to Davis as well. I believe they said Davis only landed one punch in that second round as well. Clear round for Barrios there. Um, and happy to see him as well letting the right hand go, Barrios. He looked fairly comfortable. Um... Round three, really close round, fantastic round. Um, I thought that the surprising uh, thing was that was the punch stats. Really, they said that Barrios, I think, landed five shots and Davis landed three, but it was a really good round. I don't remember it being that low of a kind of punch stat round. Um, both guys 
I believe, apparently threw 23 punches each. But like I said, it looked like more to me. I actually gave that an even round. I really did. I didn't think Barrios did enough to clearly win it. I didn't think that that, uh, Tank Davis did either. Round four, I gave to Barrios. Round five, Barrios was beginning to get backed up. He was being walked down. It was a big round for Davis. I gave round six to Davis as well. I gave round seven to Barrios. Round eight, where the the tide really started to turn. A 10-7 round for Davis. Two knockdowns, both of them heavy. I felt that... um, you know, Tank was really trying to get his man out of there um, in that round. You know, he was throwing shots with with a lot of power, with a lot of, um, you know, bad intentions behind the shots. Barrios showed heart to get back up and continue. He looked like he was out on his feet because both the shots were head shots. Virgil Hunter was in the corner screaming at Barrios to tie him up. He was saying, tie him up, tie him up. He didn't listen at all. He decided to trade with Javante and go toe-to-toe. Javante poured it all out. Barrios survived the round, a huge round on the cards, though. And I was wondering, has Javante punched himself out? Because he gave it everything he could. Good advice as well in the corner uh, from Virgil um, to Barrios I felt at the end of that round and like I say Barrios was showing some real character in there Um, round nine Barrios was straight out on the front foot I just couldn't believe it I was starting to worry is Javante trying to draw him in Um, but no and there was a shot that Barrios landed. It was a huge lead left hook. It landed perfectly right on the button. Davis seemed to, you know, rock back into the ropes. He wasn't throwing any shots, Davis. It did seem like he'd emptied his tank. And it was so interesting. At that point, it was just like, wow, what a fight we've got here. It's going to end crazily. Round 10, a crazy round. Barrios, I felt, was bossing it up until he got hurt. Then he banged his gloves together. Virgil Hunter was going crazy. Again, saying time up. Barrios was dropping his gloves. Gloves, waving Davis in, crazy round. Um, already, I wrote, I wrote down possibly fight of the year candidate right here. Um, a crazy round, seriously. Round eleven, though, Barrios for me was winning the round despite Davis being on the front foot, looking like he was going for a knockout, loading up a lot. Um, I thought that Barrios did the better, you know, the better of the work. And then Javante Davis lands that peach of a body shot up close. Uh, Barrios took a knee. You could see the pain he was in, the grimace on his face. He got back up. Javante swarmed him, and very quickly the referee jumped in. Sad to see, because uh, I love Barrios. I am a, a slightly biased uh, towards Barrios because, you know, I've got this rule. If you've been on the show before, then I support you no matter what. And Javante was on the show about four years ago, something like that. And he's he's only been on once, haven't been able to get him on since then. And, um, you know, Barrios has been on numerous times. So I've got a soft spot for Barrios, that is for sure. Um, so, yeah, I felt he was, he was winning the fight at the, at the point of the stoppage. But having said that, it would have been a 10-8 round if I scored that round there, which obviously didn't end up being completed because the referee stopped it, and rightly so. Um, yeah, Javante as well. He showed a great chin, even being up at 140, because Barrios can punch. Can Javante be a player at 140? I'm I'm not so sure. I think the jury's still out on that one. Uh, there are some more kind of credible, bigger guys that punch harder than 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 Barrios. I think more kind of legit guys like a Josh Taylor, like a Regis Progre, like a uh, you know like a Ramirez. Those guys, I think, I'd stay away from if I was if I was Javante. He doesn't really need to fight those guys, I don't think. Um, And yeah, Barrios, you know, his stock goes through the roof, I think. We did see the scorecards at the end. And the scorecards at the time of the stoppage, 96-92 twice for Javante Davis and 97-91. So real disgraceful cards. The robbery was was being cooked there. And I like the sportsmanship from both guys in their post-fight interviews. I think Javante came across really well. Uh, Fair play to him. He seems like he's matured a lot in recent years. Um, But what did you make of that fight, Eddie? Because it it was a great, great fight. It's on my short list for fight of the year. No no, no doubt it was an excellent fight. Uh, Early on, it looked like, you know, Javante was waiting too long, man. And I was like, it's one of those things where you're watching it, just like, do something more. Just give him a little bit. I understand you want to wait it out and see what the guy has, but you got to pick it up at some point. You got to get get the respect from the guy. You know what I mean? And uh, eventually, obviously, he was going to do it. And don't get me wrong, the guy 
has to respect him. He knows how explosive this guy, this guy is coming from, uh, 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 you know, even from 135. The speed level is going to be slightly different, too, in the pace. So he, I'm pretty sure uh, that he was prepared for it. But, man, once he started turning it up, he showed exactly why, you know, people are really high on him, man. Javante's really, really explosive, man, really explosive. And uh, the other kid, he's, he, he, he was actually doing really well. Even all the way up until the end of the fight, it was like when I saw the cards at the end of the fight, I was like, oh, you know what I'm saying? Like, I felt like the knockdowns is what really started to set it to, you know, toward Javante's uh, way. I didn't think that the fight was already like in control by him. You know what I mean? As far as like him winning the fight by rounds, I thought it was the knockdowns really set him, set him apart because I thought the the other kid was probably won the majority of the rounds. You know, and, and, and it's funny you said that third round, Joey, that you scored a draw, I was saying could have went either way, and I kind of was looking and kind of leaning more towards toward Javante. But aside from that, in those first four to five rounds, there really wasn't any rounds that I could give him. You know what I'm saying? So it's it was he was playing a dangerous game with it because you never know. Maybe this kid's chin... Or maybe this kid's just too big for you at this weight and to allow rounds to go by and for guys. To, I'm not saying that he could have just went and took him, but I am saying that you're going to have to put more effort forth than, than what he was doing. And it was funny listening to Floyd kind of let him know, like, hey, you might be down around. And then for him to kind of get upset about it was kind of funny. But it's like, yo, when somebody tell you the truth, man, that means you got to go out there. You got to start bringing the tiger out. You got to go get him. You got to go. You got to put him away or. You got to go win these rounds. At the end of the day, you don't want to give away anything in a professional fight at that level. You know, there's an opportunity. You got belts on the line. You got a, you got you got future opportunities. You got your name, all of those things. So you don't want to take a chance. So I I agree with Floyd, man, telling him the truth, telling him you got to go get this. You can't allow this this thing to get away from you. You know what I mean? And it's easy to do that when you think you're a better, you know, you're just a better guy. You know what I mean? But I'm glad to see that he turned it up. Showed his class, showed how explosive and how talented he that he is, and went ahead and got that and got that win. But uh, fair play to the other guy, man. The kid was tough, really tough. Took some hell, took hell of five shots. Uh, uh, got up, still wanted to continue, and 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 did everything he could. That body shot was was really really nice. You know what I mean? That he got hit with, still got up and fought back. Try what he tried, and Javante just got him out. But good fight, loved it. If I could see another fight like that again tomorrow, I would be happy. So definitely great fight. Definitely fight fight of the year candidate. Yeah, for sure. And just wrapping that card up there, I do want to say I didn't feel like I gave Lubin enough credit. Uh, I was thoroughly impressed. It was a good fight while it lasted and a statement as well to knock out Rosario um, like that. And a risky fight that I don't think Lubin needed to take. So I just want to throw that in there before we move on to the next card, which is... Um, the Virgin Hotels, Las Vegas, Nevada, USA. Over here, this one was on ESPN+. Plus. Let's start with the undercard. Um, Guido Vianello, the Italian heavyweight, now 8-0 with a draw. A TKO for him in round two against Marlon Williams, who's now 6-2. Um, and two. Um, Sam Jones, the manager of Guido Vianello, um, he was saying that he felt it was the best performance of his man's pro career thus far. Um, elsewhere on the card, Zan Bek Alim Kunuli, who is now 10-0. I've got to admit, I hadn't seen him fight as a pro. He was a really good amateur. He got in there with Rob Brandt, former world champion um, American fighter that was on last week's show as a guest. Sad to see Brandt lose like that. He pretty much lost every round, and then they pulled him out in the corner after eight. He was down in round six as well, Rob Brandt, but he lost every round, and he's a former world champion. It didn't look good. Now 26-3. Um, perhaps one to watch as well, this guy here, Alim Kunali, a southpaw. Um, he just looks such a good prospect, and what a name on his resume for that early on in his career. Like I say, it was only his... Um his his tenth fight. That's a landmark win there. He didn't lose a round. He ends up having Bomac pull Brent out on the store after taking that beating. Really, really impressive. Elsewhere on the card, let's go straight to the main event. He looked as good as ever. It has to be said. Um, head clash in the first round. Blood streaking down Lomachenko's face. He looked 
back to his best. It was a punch-perfect performance. The version that we didn't see much of against Tiafimo Lopez. The hand speed was causing problems for Nakatani. Um, Nakatani, just too crude, too basic, and he was stopped after a beatdown. Fair enough, I felt. Nakatani was only fighting for pride at that point. And the new records, Vasyl Lomachenko... 15-2, and two, and Masayoshi Nakatani, 19-2. and two. He did something there that Tiafimo Lopez couldn't do against Nakatani and got him out of there. What were your thoughts on that one, Eddie? Another brilliant performance from Lomachenko, who, for me, I think some people perhaps thought that they've seen the best of him. His best days are behind him. He's not really a lightweight. He fights a guy here giving away so much height, and it was probably one of his best performances I've ever seen. Yeah, I agree. I agree, man. Uh, he just continues to show why he's at the top of the game and at the top of the sport. His work ethic, his determination toward just continue to get improved. And how you can improve at that high of a level is beyond me, I know. But it's just working, just keeping yourself as or trying to get yourself healthy because obviously he has some, some issues with injuries and his shoulder injury and different things like that. But him at his best is is a scary thing to watch, man. It's like when you look at that and then you start looking back at the Tiafimo fight, maybe 100% or if the situation would have slightly different, maybe you would have had a couple of fights or, uh, you know, all this and that, what would have what would have happened? Well, I do think Lopez has the ability to compete with him. So one, one thing is for sure, don't get it confused that Lopez, oh, he was just benefiting from him not being at his best. He did benefit from it to a degree, but trust me, if he was – even if Lomachenko was at his best, it still would have been a trying performance. It would have had to, he would have had to been at his on his A game in order to really win the fight, which I still think that he was able to do even under those circumstances that he had on the night of the fight, which just says how great of a fighter that Lomachenko is. So, you know, he's very much still a player, and I still think he may be the player in a big, you know, even even in the in the heavier weight class at 135. I still feel like he's still one of the guys to beat. Obviously, Lopez has got to be that guy because he beat him. But aside from that, Lomachenko just has he has so many tools in the toolbox. There's not a lot, you know, there's not lot, there's not much more I can say about it. The performance, and you watch the, def, the the defensive things he was doing, how he was getting to the side, how he was getting side access to to land combinations off of that, and then how he timely throw he, he timely throws odd combinations where it's like a 2-1 who throws a 2-1 most people don't even think about it like that but he throws like a 2-1 and then a two behind him. you know what i mean which is a which is a right hand a jab and then another right hand and it's just weird combinations like that that you don't expect and it's done at the right time at the right angle and it just and it lands at the point, and it's just like when you see it, it's like wow. And his punch is coming from every angle. It's really really difficult to defend. And then, like I said, him being able to get to the side of you, behind you, and just have you constantly guessing where the next punch is coming from, it just it's just one to make you just scratch your head. You don't know what to do. Uh, fair play to the guy who he was fighting, and Nakatani, I think is his name. And you know, of course, he was competing. He was trying to compete. He tried some things that just Lomachenko wasn't there for him. And uh, it's just, it's just, it's, t it's t I can, if I'm a supporter of Nekatani's, I would be just, it's just tough to watch him because you know, he's doing, he's, he's trying everything and it's just still not there. You know what I'm saying? He's bigger. He's supposed to be stronger. He's supposed to be a better puncher and all of that, but it doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? He's just better. And, uh, Man, it was it was it was great to see him back in action. The fight was good, great, and um, great performance. Man, that's all I can say. And moving out to the final card that took place on Sunday at the Minneapolis Armory, a guy over here who. I, I can't believe it. He's one of the quickest guys to win a version of a world title. David Morrell, now 5-0. He's picked up the WBA World Super Middleweight title. Of course, it's some kind of regular version. Um, so it's not the full... Uh, the full title, but he's picked up the belt with a first round knockout against the previously undefeated Mario Cazares, who's now 12-1. and 1. I've got to say, this 
David Morrell, a Cuban fighter, was a really, really, really good amateur, and now he is making waves in the pros. I'm not sure how they've even moved him into that position, but he's now 5-0 with four KOs. He's got a belt, um, and yeah, just to put things into perspective, he lost once upon a time as an amateur to Willie Hutchinson, so goes to show that it is a crazy sport. Um, anything can happen in that ring. On the undercard of that one as well, a couple of upsets. Um, Omar Juarez, a really, really highly touted prospect, 11-0. He lost a majority decision over 10 rounds against Ali Rivera, who's now 22-5. Juarez now 11-1. He was down in, in round nine. That's a massive upset. I've heard some brilliant things about him as a prospect. Um, elsewhere on the card, Leon Lawson the third. He was undefeated, 14-0. He lost a majority decision over 10 as well to Nathaniel Gallimore. Um, Gallimore quite established as a pro, so I don't think that looks as bad as the other one, but he is now 22-5 with a draw as well. Um, elsewhere on that card, friend of the show, Alontez Fox, picked up win number 28. He's got two losses and a draw. It was a TKO in round seven against Manny Woods, who's now 17 and 12 with a draw. That is it, though, for the review part of the show. The final thing for me to do before we wrap up part one is to welcome our first guest on this week's podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former two-time WBC super middleweight world champion. It is, of course, the undefeated Mr. David Benavides. David, welcome back on the show, my friend. How you doing, man? I just want to give you, uh, first of all, give you the thanks for, um, you know, putting me back on the show. And, um, you know, everything is going good, man. I'm very excited, very motivated for this next fight. You know, I got a tough opponent, uh, Jose Uzcatecki, former world champion. But um, I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm looking forward to go back into battle. Absolutely. We will get to that in just a second. So, David, we last spoke back in August 2020, just before that fight against uh, Roma, Alexis Angulo. You totally dominated him, of course. You also boxed in uh, March of, of this year, March 13th, against Ronald Ellis. Just give me a couple words on that win, as it's your most recent one, and we haven't spoke for a while. You know, so um, since the fight with Roma Angulo, you know, I'm... Um... I was uh, looking. I was trying to get some big fights on the horizon, you know. But the only one who wanted to step on, step up to the plate, was uh, Ronald Ellis. So you know, as a man, I gotta respect him for that. And um, honestly, I thought I was gonna get him out of there a little bit earlier. But you know, hats off to Ronald Ellis again. He's a very tough competitor. You know, he gave me a great fight. But like I said, I went in there and I, I dominated. I feel like he only won like one or two rounds, and after that, I dominated in volume of punches, power punches, jabs. I dominated in every category and, you know, ultimately got the stoppage in the round 11. Yeah, you absolutely did. And, you know, I want to get real for a second here. Um, I'm sure you'd agree as well with what I'm going to say here. The unfortunate part of your career thus far has been the fact that you've lost the world titles outside of the ring. Um, obviously, you're the youngest super middleweight world champion in history. Is it a struggle to keep making 168? You've been at that weight almost eight years now since you made your debut. Are you getting bigger? You're getting older, of course. Did you just misjudge something uh, You know, before that Angulo fight in terms of the weight, or, or can you make the weight comfortably for the foreseeable future? No, I could definitely make the weight comfortable. It was just, you know, miscalculation. Um, you know, seeing with COVID hit everything and just being in the in the bubble at the in Connecticut, you know, it was just something different that I had to adapt to than I didn't I wasn't really prepared for. You know, I thought in my head I was very arrogant thinking I could make the weight. And um, you know, but like I I hadn't I didn't have, you know, um access to the stuff I usually need, you know, like treadmills, gym, um saunas you know you know you know like the stuff you do it the last week you know i think the last week every boxer loses the most weight and you know you have to have saunas you know um you have to be at the boxing gym you have to be at a you know you, have, you need stuff over there and then when we we're in, in the in the bubble in connecticut we we're it had to be in the room all day um we we're only allowed to go to the gym one time a day for an hour a day and so that was a miscalculation on my part and you know it was a, a little bit of ignorance on my part to coming in a little bit heavier than I should have but um and you know I, I definitely paid the price for it not only in uh with the title but I also paid a big fine too so I mean and um when I when I got to fight with Ronald Ellis you know I just wanted everything to be perfect you know I I, can't, I was on weight I think I hit weight that Monday of the week of the fight so I mean I was very comfortable making weight 
And, um, you know, it's just now that I see how things ran or, or things were going and, you know, what I was, I knew what I was walking into going into the bubble in Connecticut, I was more prepared, but I feel like it was just miscalculation on my part and being unprepared. And, you know, I, I definitely paid the price for it, but I, I feel like I could still, you know, make 168. I mean, I'm more, um, I'm, I'm coming in lighter in my training camps now and, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't feel good, man. I just honestly, it felt like bad that I let my people down not only once but twice and you know it's, it's embarrassing you know it's both it's embarrassing and you know it's it's also a lesson but I feel like the good part is that you know I, I still look good I still dominated and I'm still dominating my opponents you know whatever happens to me outside the ring is whatever happens but when I'm in the ring you know it's um I know what I could do and I know what I'm capable of and you know nobody that's something nobody could take away from me no, they absolutely can't. You are one of the most exciting fighters in the world. Um, your next fight's been locked in for August 28th. You mentioned against former IBF world champion Jose Uskatagi. Once upon a time, Uskatagi was a guy that no one in the super middleweight division really wanted to go near if they didn't need to. Uh, what are your thoughts on him as a fighter, David? I think he's a great fighter. You know, um, there's very, a lot of similarities between me and him. You know, he's a come forward guy. He has a lot of knockouts as well, like myself. But the thing that I'm looking forward to is stopping Uskateki. You know, I'm, I I'm, I pride myself in stopping fighters that have never been stopped before. And I fought a lot of fighters that have never been stopped before, and I'm the first one to stop some. So I'm looking to do the same with Uskateki, but everything, you know, has to be on point. I know Uskateki is a dangerous fighter, and I got to, you know, be very sharp from round one to round 12. But this is the type of fighters I want, man. These are the type of names I want on my resume. And um and not only not only is these are the type of fighters I want, but these are the type of fights I want for my fans and my fan base and the people that come to see me fight, you know, because at the end of the day people come and see a fight. And when you get two bulls in a ring like that, what are they gonna do? They're gonna turn it into a war. Yeah, and Uskategi had a fight three weeks ago in Mexico. He, keep, you know, he picked up a keep busy kind of win. Obviously, as you say, he can punch as well. He, he's been beaten but never stopped. He's got a lot of experience. Uh, you're always one of the best fighters in the world to watch. Like I said, is there any way that this fight can't be an entertaining one? <laughs> no, there's no, there's, you know, there's, that's not. If this fight is not entertaining, man, that's that's it's just not going to be us, you know. Um. I'm not. I'm going in there. I'm, I I put fireworks on the table every time I go fight, and you know I know he does too. It's too. It's you know it's 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 like it has a potential to be one of the fights of the year. You know that's how I feel like it is. You know, I feel like it's you know the same as Eric Morales and Barrera. You know, we're both hard hitting fighters. We're both going in there to we're both going there to get the knockouts no matter what. So I mean, it's going to be a very entertaining fight, and I think it's going to be in my hometown of Phoenix, Arizona. So I'm very excited to give my fans a great fight like that. So I'm looking forward to it. Excellent, man. And I remember the last time we spoke, like I said, it was quite a while away, uh, a while ago, I should say. Your, your lady was heavily pregnant. You're a father now. How is fatherhood treating you as well? Oh, man, it's, it's, it's very beautiful. It's like one of the most beautiful experiences I've ever, you know, felt, you know, been through. Um, and and it's, it's it's nice, man. I, I, but I, the only thing I'll say is the hard part is, you know, what keeps me motivated all the time is when I keep when I go to training camp and I have to leave my boy and my girlfriend. And it's very hard. But I feel like this is what makes an animal inside of somebody. You know, um, when you take his loved ones away and you know you have to go into training camp, you know, it just makes me even more hungry and more motivated. But my son is beautiful, man. He just he gave me another sense of motivation, and I was already very motivated, but just. Now knowing that I'm not doing it for myself anymore, that I'm doing it for him is, you know, it's um, you know, I I don't see nobody stopping me. You know, um, a lion got to take care of his family and his and his people, and that's exactly what I'm gonna do. It's a beautiful thing, and you yourself, David, are quite a sharp dresser. But I think your son actually dresses better than you. I've got to say it. He dresses brilliantly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I think that's what he got from his dad. You know, he passed down a little bit, but um, I'm very, I'm very happy, man. And like I said, um, mentally and physically, I'm in a great place in my life. You know, I'm very motivated. You know, I'm very down, down to earth. I'm very humble now, and I just want to be. Uh, I want to motivate kids. I want to motivate my people, and I want to motivate my son too. And when he gets older, and um, that's exactly where I'm at in my life. And um, you know, I feel like there's nothing but success up from here. 
That's what we love to hear, my friend. Um, I saw a picture a while back of you, and I believe you were sparring with um, undefeated junior middleweight giant Sebastian Fundora. Um, how was that, yeah. and how far do you think he can go in the sport? Um, he's you no, know, he's an amazing fighter. I've been, I've been sparring him since because we know obviously we got the same promoters. I've sparred him a long, long time ago, and then I recently sparred him for my training camp with Ronald Ellis. But that guy, man, he packs a punch, man. He packs a punch. You know, he hits super hard. And he has, you know, he's not just a brawler. He's a boxer as well. So I feel like he could be, he's, you know, it's only it's imminent that he, uh, his time is going to come and he's going to become a world champion because he's a great fighter. You know, he has great people around him, and he has a great head on his shoulder. You know, that guy is super humble. So um, I feel like, you know, whenever his time comes for him to be a champion, he's going to be extremely ready, and he's going um, to be one of the top fighters, you know, in the next uh, couple years. Well, there we go. And looking past this upcoming fight for just a second, is the Canelo fight the one you want most more than any other fight out there, David? Yes, sir. That's the that's the fight I want the most. But honestly, I don't. I'm not even sure when that's going to happen. Um, you know, like honestly, um, I feel like Canelo. You know, he's already got plans. Another thing, I think he's more wanting to unify. You know, I hear heard him talking about unifying with Arthur Arthur Berdabeef. And, um, you know, after Caleb Plant, so um, I don't know what's going to happen from, from here to next year. So, um, but, you know, that, that that's fine with me. You know, whatever whatever comes my way, I'm going to be ready for. You know, um, I feel like there's more than one fighter. There's not just Canelo. You know, obviously everybody wants Canelo because they want the payday or whatever, but I'm not, I'm not here for the money. I mean, obviously money is a great part of the, of the sport, but at the end of the day, I just want to get the experience, the fans, uh, the respect from the fans and, I want to go down to history, too. I mean, if I got to go down the same route that Canelo did and fight every other name out there, and then you get to the best, and that's what I'm going to do. But, you know, I mean, this fight is definitely going to happen. It's definitely going to happen in the future. I don't know when, but it's going to happen, but it's definitely going to happen. We certainly would love to see it, I think, from all over the world. If you ask any boxing fan from any country, who do you want to see Canelo fight? There's not many names before yours, to be completely honest, if it's not the first name. Um, it looks like you'll be boxing Caleb Plant. How do you see that fight going? Can Caleb cause him any any problems? Yeah, he could definitely cause him some problems, bro. Honestly, um, I mean, whatever me and Caleb have our problems, our issues, whatever it may be, but I mean, you can't take away the fact that he's a world champion and he's a great boxer. I think the only thing that hurts him is that he doesn't have punching power. You know, obviously, it's easy to stop a guy that you know. Um, I'm not gonna say a bum, but a guy that's not really not recognized or really guy that's really that accomplished, and um. I feel like he could box Canelo the first couple rounds, but if you look at Caleb Plant, Caleb Plant starts good the first six rounds, first six, seven rounds, and then towards the end of the fight, he kind of lives, he lives himself, you know, vulnerable for some shots, and he gets hit with shots he shouldn't get hit with, and Canelo gets stronger during the second half of the fight, so I feel like if, I feel like Canelo, I feel like Caleb Plant doesn't threat, pose a threat to Canelo because the only people that pose a threat to Canelo are the ones with uh, punching power. The people that were able to keep him, uh, keep Canelo off of him with their own punching power, you know, and Caleb Plant is not that. He doesn't have punching power like that. But if he could box him all night and, you know, he fights the perfect fight and, you know, doesn't stay there at all and moves around the whole night, then uh, he has a chance. But I think Canelo beats him. And I, don't, I don't think he really opposes a problem to Canelo. And just finally, David, um, if you've got any closing words in particular for your UK fans that will be listening to this because you know you're loved over here, what's your message to those guys that support you from this side of the pond? You know, I just want to thank everybody from out there in the UK. And, you know, um, one of my favorite fighters right now, Anthony Joshua, too, you know, I want to give him a big shout-out. You know, I just messaged him on Instagram, and, you know, he replied. You know, I didn't think he was going to reply. You know, he sent me some great words of motivation, and, you know, I would love to. That's still one of my dreams to find the UK. You know, I've I've always been a fan of, you know, Prince Nassim, you know, uh, Chris Eubanks Sr., Joe Kawasaki. So I mean, it'd definitely be one of my dreams to fight over there. And I don't know, maybe if we could get a fight with Colin Smith, I mean, we could get it. We could we could make it happen in London. You know, so I'm very excited. And you know, I really appreciate you know to even have fans out there. You know, on the on a, in a different country when I'm not even from is is just amazing. It's a blessing. So thank all of you guys from over there. I really appreciate every single one of you. You deserve it, my friend. You truly do. But listen, David, it's always an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for your time. Best of luck for August 28th, and I'm sure we'll catch up sometime after. Yes, sir. Thank you, man. You have a nice day as well.
Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. Uh, we're going to start here with Top Rank signing a young prospect. He has not yet made his debut. Obviously, boxed as an amateur. He was managed by Flavor Flav. He's now turning pro. I'm not sure if he's still managed by Flavor Flav. But he is the grandson of Muhammad Ali, Nico Ali Walsh. Um, I, I've spoken to him previously over DMs. He had a dream of going to the Olympics in 2020, which would have been 60 years on from his grandfather that, of course, did it in Rome back in 1960 and brought back that gold medal. Um, he wanted to do that. Um, obviously, everything got delayed with the pandemic and stuff like that. He's decided that... Um, you know, he's going to turn pro instead. He will be boxing, I believe, on August 14th. So that's going to be really interesting there. All the best to him. Really, really nice guy. And of course, Bob Arum was involved in so many of Muhammad Ali's fights. So that truly is groundbreaking stuff. I love things like that. The Joyce Takam undercard, which is set for the 24th of July, has been announced to some degree. Hamza Shiraz gets out. He takes on the Spanish Ezekiel Guria, who's 15 and 1. Uh, that one should be quite interesting, I guess. Shiraz has been out in the States, in California, um, training, I think, in Joe Goosen's gym. Elsewhere on the card, a great fight between Chris Jenkins. He defends his British and Commonwealth titles against Echo Essamon, 14 and 0. That's going to be great. He's coming off an injury, though, Essamon. Um, the fight's been delayed once or twice. Also, a good fight between the undefeated Chris Bork. He defends his WBC in international against James Beach Jr. who's 12 and 1. Um yeah, decent fights on that undercard. Um also no opponent just yet, but David Adelaide gets out again. Um, and George Fox as well, the son of Don Charles, gets out again. And Charles Frankham, he has been inactive for quite a while. He gets out again on that one. Again, tickets on sale now from £50 to 300 for the VIP hospitality ones. Um, elsewhere, the the... Well, a part of the uh, Fury World of Three undercard has been announced. Obviously, the main event, uh, the the third fight between Fury and Wilder. But on that undercard, the rematch between Adam Kalnaki and uh, the Nordic Nightmare, Robert Hellenius. So we shall see how that one goes on. And also, Effia Jagba returns to the ring, takes on the unbeaten Frank Sanchez, the Cuban who looks about... 55, who I think is about 28 on paper. That is a really good fight. Also, we get to see Jared Big Baby Anderson as well, friend of the show. He gets in against the undefeated Russian heavyweight Vladimir Tereshkin. Uh, so, four heavyweight fights on that card as it stands. Moving on, though, to the preview part of the show. We're going to start here tomorrow night at the Sheffield Arena Car Park in Yorkshire, United Kingdom over here. On the undercard, we have the lady that hosted the show with me a few weeks ago. We said she's going to be a, a regular panellist. However, the schedules have been a bit difficult to, to get right because of this. She is making her pro debut. Hannah Bagley, four two-minute rounds against Borislava Goranova, who's 11-66 and 66 with four draws. I know a lot of people will be tuning into that. All the best to Hannah, who I think a lot of you would have seen her post uh, picture this week wearing a Box Hard Podcast t-shirt. Like I say, they are everywhere. You can find them pretty much in every country over the globe now. On the main event, Jack Massey, 17-1. and one. He takes on Engin Karakaplan, who's 14-7 and seven with three draws. One of the top light heavyweight, uh, sorry, cruiserweights. He's a cruiserweight. One of the best cruiserweights we've got in Britain. That's over 10 rounds there. Moving out now to the card that takes place in the States. I'm not sure on the undercard just yet. What I've seen, it's quite... Um, it's quite light, so I'm guessing there's more fights to be added that haven't yet been put up. Um, so what I do have so far is, let's start with the main event. Chris Colbert, 15 and 0, defends his WBA interim world super featherweight title against Tuckstot Nayambiar, 12 and 1. The one loss came by unanimous decision to Gary Russell Jr. back in February 2020. He is a brilliant fighter. This was supposed to be Colbert against um, Yuriokis Gamboa. This is a better fight. This is such a hard fight for Chris Colbert. I really like that fight. On the undercard, 
the prospect Michel Rivera, 20 and 0, the Don- Dominican fighter. He takes on the Spaniard John Fernandez, 21 and 1. Should be okay. His one loss came to Oshiki Foster. But anyway, that's it for the preview part. We did part one, of course, with the review part of the show, and we had a guest. Um, in part two, we've done the news there, of course, to begin, and we've just wrapped up the preview part of the show. The final thing for me to do is to welcome our second and final guest on this week's podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former WBO Super Bantamweight World Champion. It is, of course, Mr. Isaac Dogbay. Isaac, welcome back on the show, my friend. Thank you, sir. Always good when speaking with you, Isaac, and that is the truth. Thank you for asking. So, Isaac, we we last spoke back in October of last year. It was just after you'd been um, announced to fight Michael Conlon, of course, that fight never ended up happening. Conlon broke his foot, I believe it was. We haven't spoke since then, my man. How have things been? That goes great. Everything has been well. Um, you know, and listen, I must say that it's always great to be on your show. I mean, you're a top guy, and uh, you know, I have so much love for you, my guy. Um, so keep doing, keep keep up the good work that you're doing, man. Really appreciate you, man. Um, yes. It's been it's been, it's been it's been it's been great, you know, so far. Um, we thank God for everything that has taken place. Obviously I just fought a few weeks a few weeks ago. Um, you know. So everything has been great, you know, I'm working for my team and everything and uh yeah, I just didn't relax. And I appreciate those kind words you say, and I'm happy to hear you've been you, you you've been relaxed. Obviously, you're you're living in Florida now. You boxed in Las Vegas two weeks ago. You're currently speaking to me from Washington D.C. What are you doing over there? You running for president? <laughs> I mean, listen, man, nothing is impossible, you know. But yeah, um, I'm here. I'm here in D.C. because this is where this this this, this is my base, you know. Um, this, this is where my, my team, you know, my training team, everyone is at. So it made sense for me to just, uh, to, to, to base out here so I could be closer to my team and, you know, just keep working year round. Um, Absolutely. Year-round. And like we said, two weeks ago, you boxed in Vegas against Adam Lopez. Um, I predicted a points win for you. You got the <laughs> points win. Some people think Adam Lopez deserved to win. Some people felt it was very close, could have gone either way. How did you assess your performance, Isaac, particularly towards the end of the fight? Well, listen, in this fight, yeah, Adam Lopez was a champion. And plus, he was on the A side, and I was on the B side. I came in as an opponent. She, you, you get what I'm trying to say? So, I mean, um, him making all the all the noise saying how he feels that, you know, he deserved the, the, the win and all sort of things. Listen, from the first, I believe that from the first uh, beginning, you know, I was having I was having more success. You know, I dominated. You know, I boxed him. And um, just walking somebody down doesn't mean anything. You, know, you have to you have to hit in a person, you know. Um, obviously, he called me some clean up cuts and things like that. Isaac, you just sound a tiny bit muffled. Yeah, I was say, I was saying that I dominated most 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 of the most of the earlier rounds, you know. And um, you know, with him being the A side, the judge must have seen seen the fight differently. And obviously, I do understand and I do know that you know there were there were some rounds that were um, fairly even, and we could have gone either way. But more or less, I was throwing the cleaner punches, the, the cleaner and harder punches, you know, um, towards the end of the getting towards the ending of the fight. You know, I got a little bit tired, but hey, it's part of it. It's part of that. It's all. It comes. It comes to it because I was working. You know, I was. I, I came in there to win. I came in there to to to, to hurt my man. You know, so um, I wasn't going to leave it last minute before I was going to turn the heat up. You know, the, the plan was to turn the heat up from the first beginning. And that's yeah, exactly I thought what I particularly did. early on you were really good. You know, he he couldn't really hang with you to be completely honest. Towards the end, I'd say the last three mm-hmm. rounds, round eight, nine, and ten, I was I was really worried, thinking what's going on here. Obviously, we've seen you go twenty four rounds with Navarrete. That fight was a was a lot tougher than the ten rounds against Lopez. But obviously, like you say, you got tired. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the fight I feel was. 
quite close. It's probably one of the best fights of this year, to be completely honest. It was packed full of action, but I don't think it should have been. I wasn't really expecting yeah. it to be that close. Is that fair to say? I think that's the reason why people are, you know, really making um making uh like a a big deal out of it, you know. Um and I do understand, you know, um when you are someone like me, there are always there, there are always um a lot of expectations, you know. Um and listen, I I do welcome constructive criticism. You know, I believe that we are I'm 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 always learning and, and I always have to learn. I have to have to have an open mind, you know, to learn more things and to listen to, you know, what is out there and take out the positives, the good things out of it and, you know, flush out the negative aspect of it. But um yeah, I mean listen, boxing you can't really sleep on nobody in boxing. You know, there <laughs> some journeymen have knocked out prospects. So you can't really um, sleep on nobody, nobody in boxing. You know, um, some may say that listen, he's not your class, or whatever. But uh, at the end of the day, he fought, he fought Valdez, and he had I think two or three fights prior. I fought last year, and it's been like a year. Um, it's been yeah. I think almost a year since since my last fight um, before before my last fight. You know, so I mean, listen. Like I said, I thank God for the victory, and I thank God for the for the support from the people. Um, obviously, like I said, there's always room there's always room for improvement. And um, I went back, I was the tapes, and I, and it's true I could have made this fight very very easy, um, very very easy. But hey, yeah, what happened happened, and um, you know sometimes you just have to accept the fact that you know what um, we have to. Just take it as it comes, and next time correct certain um, certain things, just so that we don't make life too yeah, hard. Yeah, and you're work. right in what you say. You were coming off 11 months inactivity. Um, you know, before that, you were also coming off. I believe it was. Um, um, 14 months in activity so you've been very kind of inactive of late um, I know that you were excited to be boxing yeah. on the Tyson Fury undercard in London December 5th against Conlon which obviously you know didn't end up happening and then you didn't get out like I say for 6 months which was only 2 weeks ago you box in Vegas mm. on an Inue undercard which I still think is a big stage but not boxing in London not boxing on that big heavyweight undercard with Fury and the rest of it and all your friends Friends, I'm sure, coming to the fight um, in London. Did that kill any motivation that you had in any way? Um, not really. I mean, listen, this is a this, this is a profession, you know. Um, it would have been great to fight on a huge card, like you know, um, on another card of a big name like Tyson Fury. You know, um, I believe that that would have been massive, and um, but unfortunately, it didn't happen because. Um, uh, my opponent had uh, had an injury, but hey, it's something that happened. It's a natural occurrence. You can't really pull pull his legs for for getting it, for getting an injury. You know, um, we just have to you know leave that leave that episode out and really focus on what what's important, what's ahead of us. Um, obviously, he went on to fight somebody else, and you know, um, I thought somebody else as well but hey here's what it is um the fight here you know though in a way was the main 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 event i believe that we saw the show and we we delivered the promise that you know that we said that we we delivered a promise um and many people were happy with the with, with, with how the fight was you know was was, was intense and how it was all action, you know, and um, I'm happy, you know. I can sleep at night knowing that I went in there and gave my all, and um, the fans were happy about it, you know. The spectators, um, the TVs and TV networks, and everyone, you know, was 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 really impressed by how we how we conducted ourselves and how we. You know, and what stuff. is next for you, Isaac? Like we say, you had the one fight in 2019 the one fight in 2020 you've had one fight in 2021 will we see you again in the ring soon we're all hoping so 
God willing, God willing, very very soon. Um, you know, according to my to my to my uh, co-promoters, top rank, you know, they're looking, you know, they're looking to get to getting me out there. Okay, we look forward to that for sure. Um, I want to ask you this one as well, Isaac. You know, you've had enough time now, I guess, to kind of settle in at featherweight. A lot of people think you're too small for featherweight. Um, You know, are you just like too big for 122, but maybe a little bit too small for 126 and therefore caught between two weights? How do you see that situation? I believe that, you know, um, I believe that I can... I can contest in both weights. You know, I'm I'm more than happy to to do so. Uh, um, given the fact that now I'm working with a nutritionist. You know, um, this nutritional company, um, per- perfecting athletes. And uh, my weight cut in uh, in my last fight was so smooth, man. Listen, I've never had no easier weight cut than than my last fight. You know, and I have to say a big thank you to perfecting athletes. You know, for the great job that they did with me, um, and I thank God that you know I met them. You know, because uh, you know I think at the way in a way I think I'm one twenty five point something or one twenty four point something, and I was eating throughout, eating and drinking. Usually it's not like that, you know. So um, I was really, really happy, you know, with how um, everything um, um, you know came about. But hey, I'm always open, you know. Um, I believe that they said that they can get me down to 122, but I'm not making no promises, you know. Right now, I'm comfortable at 126. Yeah, so let's see. What and Isaac, I heard you mention about a third fight against Navarrete. Now, I understand that if you know, if someone was to ask you, I believe if I ask you, do you want to fight Deontay Wilder? You wouldn't say no. That's what fighters do; they fight anyone. But is that a fight that you feel? You need to have. I mean, you've been in with the guy twice. You've done twenty-four rounds. Is that a fight that needs to happen? It's a, it's obviously a tough fight. Well, listen, I think a lot of people ask me this question, and my answer is always the same thing. All of all, my answer is, is has always been this: He has moved up weight to one twenty-six. I'm I'm and I'm also in this same weight division. You know, when I become a mandatory. He can't avoid me. So it's inevitable for us not to fight. You know, that one is a simple kind of, you know, it's a simple thing. It's a simple um, calculations, knowing that I'm climbing up the ladder and he's a champion, you know, and um, it's obvious. Once I get there, it's bound to happen. But I don't feel that, I don't feel it's a need. I don't feel I need to fight him, you know. I want to fight him yeah, because I'm the type of person where, you know, when somebody gets the better of me, I go back. I go and prepare myself better and I come back again. You know, that's how that's how fighters are. Pacquiao and, 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 and Marquez fought so many times. So, I mean, he, of course, he beat me twice. But it doesn't mean that... Um, it doesn't mean that when I become mandatory, I'm going to be like, oh, I'm not going to fight him. No, that's not my job. My job, my job description is go, prepare, come and fight. And, you know, God willing, you know, if you're, I knock my opponent out and take the title or be or win and move on. That's what it's. And that's, that's, that, 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 that's he, um, um, he to um, his, uh, his, his job description. We are fighters. We can't, you know. It's about the best fight in the best. He got the better of me in, in, in the in the two fights. I believe that I'm getting better. I'm learning from, you know, a lot of the things that didn't go too well. I've made a lot of changes in my camp. I've made a lot of changes in my life. And um, I believe, you know, it's all part of, you know, the the rebuilding pro, um, pro, process. And another brilliant fight that's taking place in your weight class is upcoming um, August 7th. We're going to see two Brits fighting each other for the vacant IBF world title. Kid Galahad against Jazza Dickens. Um, How do you see that fight going? And do you have an interest in either of those guys? Because I like you matched up against either of those two. That's that's great fights here in Britain. Yes, uh, listen, I'll, I'm down to fighting everybody. I want to be the best, you know. 
I want people to remember my name. I want my name to be on the lips of people, you know, not just in England, not just in Ghana, not just in America, but in the whole world. And um, if um, and for that to happen, I have to find the best out there. You know, that's always been that's always been me. You call me for a fight, you see me there. You know, so um, I wish both both guys all the best of luck. Um, I think I've watched um, Jaza Dickens before, and um, I've seen I've seen I've seen a fight or two of um, of him. I've seen um, a fight or two of of um, Galahad as well. And listen, I wish both guys all the best. I hope they put they put up a great show. And um, listen, the winner. Yeah, I'm that's, again, that's a fight I'd love to see. You against a winner in the UK would be unbelievable. Um, and just finally, Isaac, before we wrap it up, if you've got any closing words to the listeners that could be listening from anywhere in the world, leave us with some wisdom as you always do, my friend. Yes, sir. It's just something simple, you know. As you go about your daily activities, always just remember that, you know, Rome was not built in a day. You know, you have to take life as it comes, day by day. You know, and I always make this um I always make make this statement that when you look at the birds in the sky, they do not, you know, um they don't have a house and storage and all these things. They live day by day, but God watches over them. And with that being said, I, w- I would like everyone, you know, to have a, a peaceful rest of the year and be safe out there. Protect, uh, protect yourselves and um, have an open heart, you know, give, give, give your friends and families, check up on them, you know, because a lot of people are going through so many Beautiful things. Beautiful words, Isaac. It's always fantastic when we wrap it up. You always say some magical stuff, my friend. It's a pleasure to listen to. Listen, Isaac, it's always a pleasure speaking with you. You know that. Thanks for your time, and I can't wait to see you fight again in the very near future. Thank you, sir. Okay, and this wraps up episode 298 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A massive thank you to our two guests on this week's podcast, the former two-time super middleweight world champion, David Benavidez, and the former WBO super bantamweight world champion, Mr. Isaac Dogbay. If you didn't realize it, we did have some technical issues in the Isaac Dogbay interview. There was a delay after every question I asked him, and in return it meant that whenever I spoke to ask the next question it for some reason on the recording came in about a second or two early so I can assure you um, that I wasn't talking over Isaac Dogbay at any point in the interview. The interview was totally normal and respectful, of course, but on playback, it sounded like I repeatedly kept speaking over him to announce the next question. Like I say, this wasn't the case, and after a lot of editing, there was nothing I could do uh, to change the sound, so I apologize for that if it was quite annoying. There has been one piece of news break whilst we've been recording the show. Michael Conlon will be boxing in Belfast, the homecoming for him on August 6th against former world champion TJ Doheny. Uh, that should be quite interesting, I guess, despite Doheny losing last time out to Baluta, the guy that Conlon last time out beat, but he didn't have it all his own way, so it could be interesting there. But that's about everything from myself. Enjoy your weekends, people. Stay safe. Thanks once again for listening, and we shall see you all again next week.